thank you for your word. We thank you for this historical event, but thank you for this cosmic event 2,000 years ago, which we now call Easter, is, uh, is something that, Lord, we need to understand. We need to, Lord, look at it, understand it, and uh, then, Lord, we can work from that place and then do what you've asked us to do and be who you've asked us to be. Lord, it seems like the, the majority of humanity, uh, the, the gospel message or the, the Easter message has become just a faint echo because, Lord, of, um, I guess, us being in the fast lane of, of, uh, of, of a prospering society and uh, all the accomplishments in our careers and uh, just the secular mindsets and everything flies in the face of believing in our great God. But here are a people, Lord, in this tent that choose to believe by faith that you are God, that your son Jesus paid an amazing price at Calvary. And Lord, since then, things have dramatically changed. Dramatically changed. From Adam, 4,000 years on, to Jesus, the second Adam, something dramatically has shifted on this planet. And the Bible says that His blood cries out. Cries out from the ground for souls. So one of our main objectives is to release, release this great price that was paid 2,000 years ago. One of our objectives as a church and as a people of God is to release for the reward of His suffering people to be blessed, saved, healed, set free. Who can say amen to that? Amen. amen. So let me begin and by saying, what a week. Whew. It's all right, relax, by the way. I can see some of you sucking back almost. Just go. It's cool. The storms come to both houses. The houses on the sand, the storms came, and the houses on the rock, the storms came. But there was one house that stood the test of the storm, and that was the one on the rock. So let's pray and believe that when your storm comes, because your life is built upon the rock, which I believe is the cross, which is this amazing event, this probably the most important event that has ever happened on this planet. Uh, could you imagine, really, it's a little bit like, I think when I look at this in a, in a very imaginative way, I see Jesus being born as sort of almost like a comet. <laughs> And just these, you know, shock waves being transmitted literally all over the world. But the cross, what is the cross? It's like a major, man, forget the towers falling in. This cross and the Son of God dying on the cross is the most amazing, impacting, cosmic, catalysmic, that's a good word, isn't it? Yeah, good class. It is awesome. And really, we've got to look at it. We've got to look back at it and, and check out what this means. And I sort of grabbed something literally on the run yesterday in gathering myself up. I sort of gra grabbed something. But I'll tell you this, to be honest, 
my mind was challenged for one week. My mind. And, and so, really, this message comes from understanding that in these days, and for all of us, our mind must be rock steady, absolutely sure, in who Christ is, what He has done, and then we can do all that God has called us to do. Check these scriptures out, Romans 8, 5. So, here I go. Thank you, Jesus. Those who live... Now, you just have to jot these scriptures down. I haven't got time to even look them up. But those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on that nature desires, what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. It's really about the mind a lot of this, this Christian life. 2 Corinthians 3.14 But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains. So, this alludes Paul. The Apostle Paul is talking about there's a veil over people's minds, the lost. They can't see God. They can't see the cross. They can't see the gospel. They can't hear it. Does that make sense? 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. 2 Corinthians 11.3, I love this stuff. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may be somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. I'm telling you what, I've just had one week of pure, devoted worship and, 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 and seeking God's face. Uh, just, just Ephesians 4.23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God, Frank, in true righteousness and holiness. Philippians 4, 7 says it again. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You live in a hospital for seven days and you see humanity broken, you know, just undignified and, and, and languishing in the cursedness of sickness. I'm telling you you begin to realize that uh, you need peace to guard your minds. Amen? And he does. Colossians 1.21, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds, but now. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. I'm telling you, I'm glad, so glad, Luke, that I had prepared my mind somewhat before that fateful night of uh, Thursday night, last last week. Uh, uh, gee, where's pre- Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And I looked this up and it actually, um, Peter is alluding to this, prepare your minds for action as a man that would gather up these long they used to wear these long garments, of course, these robes almost. And, and there's this scripture, 1 Kings 18, verse 46, it says, The power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab. Who likes that? You know, it's about being ready, man. It's about, you know, being ready to, to literally stand or run in the Holy Ghost when you have to. When you see your daughter, and she's not here, I can maybe say a few things I wouldn't say, but when you see her, anyway, no, I can't say details. Um, you, 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 you're fighting for a life, virtually. 
Lucky I, God, you'd give me a year's training as a nurse, a male nurse, and that just all come back to me. And so for 45 minutes, uh, you know, wrestling. Lucky my mind was intuitive and attentive, but had faith to be composed and weather that storm of seeing your loved one. Like other people, yeah, you can, you can remain calm. Oh, they're nearly at the edge of death's door, whatever, you know. What, you know, and you're composed and CPR. But when it's your own kid, amen, who can say amen to that? And you look at the anguish, you hear their, their cry of help. Man, it's a different story. So with that, I wanted to say to everyone, we must understand that in these days, our minds, our minds, as it says here, must be prepared for action. Our minds must be girded up in faith. But our minds, not just in good intentions to who God is, but our minds must understand rock steady, revelation knowledge, rema word of God. It must know what God has said in his word. Amen? It must, you must know because you run out of good intentions. Let me, trust me, um, being a Christian has got to be much more than just saying, oh, I just believe in him. No, you've got to actually know the Word, the Word of God. You've got to know Him. You've got to know the Word because now you are absolutely trying to orientate yourself and find your fulcrum in this situation in the Word of God. Good intentions aren't good enough. Amen? You've got to know your Word. And man, my Word, I'm in there. What does it say about healing? What does it say about uh, long life? What does it say about, you know, you will protect the, the righteous' children? What does it say? And you've got to know the Bible. You've got to know the Word. Amen. So on that note, I want to give you something that I think will help in Jesus' name. Say this. Clear mind. Spirit of faith. Amen. Praise God. Now I had some funny stuff. I'm glad the kids are in the house actually. I want to run this first song which a little bit helps me what I'm trying to say. So... Let's understand some sequence of events, right? Let's go back to the beginning. And when I thought that phrase, let's go back to the beginning, I got this song. Now, children, do re mi fa so and so on are only the tools we use to build a song. Once you have these notes in your head, you can sing a million different tunes by mixing them up. When you go back to the cross, she's explaining something very simple about music, that when you understand those simple principles, you can sing a million songs, all right? When you understand the cross, you can understand and you can make life. You can, you can do stuff, all right? You've got to understand the cross. If you don't understand the great exchange, thank you, Derek Prince, the great exchange, if you don't understand what happened at the cross, you'll never live out of your inheritance. You will never be able to write all these great songs you need to write. You'll take, uh, you'll take something, but it'll only allow you to have a couple of songs in life. I believe the cross wants you to have a whole repertoire of amazing songs of deliverance, celebration, and so forth. Now, I've got another song, and I got this when I started to think about the original Adam, help me, the first Adam that sold this world. So this is the big picture. We're going back. I'm going back to the cross, but I need to go back from the cross. I need to go back to the Garden of Eden. When Adam sold the world to the devil, to Satan, all right? I need to go back there because I, we need to understand what this cross means. 
Amen? So, let's go back and, 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 and I want to play you a song that will depict for me, it was a song that I've, I've known for a long time. And it's got a fairly um, foreboding sediment. It, it's a little bit, ooh, this feels creepy. I think it's meant to be a little bit creepy because it's, a man, it's about a man looking at himself and realising that he is a man that is, is answerable to, to a God, but answerable to a, a situation in everyone's life and that is the Adamic, say Adamic, nature of, of a fallenness that everyone's born into. And that's one of the things that our unsaved people will say, well, I didn't put him on the cross. I'm a good person. But being, the Bible's very specific, that being a moral person, a nice person, does not get you fully acquainted to God. Amen? You can get his attention, but you've got to be cleansed, you've got to be forgiven, and this is a song that helps me understand. And it's the, the, the words, a long, long time ago this happened. Now, our saved friends have got to realise that it's not so much what they've done, but it's what they've inherited in being born again, that that soulish, that that flesh nature did put Christ on the cross. Amen? Let's have a look at this song. There's something in this song that alludes to the fact that there's something inherently in man that is adrift from God. And this is the predicament that humanity has. No, not me. I never lost control. I never. What did I do? Your face to face with the man who sold the world. It's that sin nature in us that put Christ on the cross. And even for the best of us, it's still the same because the Bible says it to be true. Amen? doesn't matter how much good you've done, how much money you have. At the end of the day, our sin nature, the first Adam, rebellious spirit that we are born with, put Christ on the cross. Isn't that right? Now, of course, in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, um, the intention was that in that beautiful garden where all things were good and that mankind was connected to God, serving God, loving God, and in the presence of God, Adam sold that out. He abdicated his authority and rulership of to take dominion and to spread that garden out wide all across the earth, including in Australia. Imagine Australia as the Garden of Eden, where it's just tranquil and presence of God. And I mean, we've got some great stuff happening here, but still... The original plan from the beginning was that the Garden of Eden would extend all across the earth and that mankind would serve God, know God, love God. It was never God's intention for man to be ensnared in being separated from God and being sick and being cursed, being poverty stricken and and being in this predicament. It never was. And so what happened? The second Adam, here he comes. Now listen to me, it's very important to understand these sequence of events. 1 Corinthians, 
15.45 says, If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. Yes, the first Adam in the Garden of Eden allowed us to be born. Amen? The second Adam, Jesus Christ, who didn't sell the world out. Remember when uh, Jesus was tempted, he went into the desert and Satan said to him, I can give you, I can confer upon you all the kingdoms of the earth. Jesus never, he never said that, he, he never uh, what, disagreed with that. Because he, he, he could have rebuked, he said, you haven't got the kingdoms of the earth. But he did. Satan had the kingdoms of this earth to give to Jesus and Jesus, praise God, he, he stood strong and he became the sacrifice. He became the second Adam that went to the cross that enabled us to be given back our authority, our rulership, to take dominion, to be the church, really. If you really want to know where that's quickly going, Jesus is saying, now I've done it, I've wrestled I've, rest, I've given back, I've reversed this thing. Now, you by your own volition, by your own choice, you can stand into my kingdom, be authorised, deputised by the courts of Calvary and live out your life now, not under the sway of Satan's kingdom, of darkness, of sickness, of separateness from God, but now you can stand in authority and be my royal family and bring the Garden of Eden, bring the kingdom to Wyong Hospital and beyond. Amen? So what we have is 4,000 years from, 4,000 years from Adam to the second Adam, just religion, man doing his best, but religion sadly let people down. And Paul realized in the coming of Jesus, hang on, it's not about religion because Apostle Paul, he was all, he was this Pharisee trained up. He knew all the religion of, of, of the Jewish religion. And he realized by revelation knowledge that, that, um, hang on, it's not about good works. Jesus has done it all on the cross. Everything's been exchanged at the cross and by grace and by faith we can receive salvation. We are justified by faith. Adam abdicated his authority to rule. Yes, that's right. Man's tragic situation was that exactly. The curse of spiritual death. That's what we are faced with now with a lot of people separated from God. The curse of sickness is definitely from, from the fallen condition and from Satan. Amen? It's not of God. It's God's, God the Father, His intention is never to give anyone any sickness. It's not from God. It's a predicament of living on a fallen planet uh, and, and living separated from God mostly. The curse of poverty. Now, the curse of poverty, people think of money, but it's more than that. The curse of not being able to smile, not being able to be friendly. Not, there's, social, there's social prosperity there's emotional prosperity. Some people can't cry, can't laugh. So poverty represents a lot of things other than just money. Amen? Put something else up, Tim. Let's try and quick track this. The cross is central to our Christianity. Praise God. Much more than meets the eye. It's so right. The more powerful work of God, it is the most powerful work of God on the earth that we must understand. Thanks, Tim. Keep it rolling because my time is gone. The cross... Man's efforts, 
weren't good enough. God sovereignly intervened with His Son, with His Son, Christ Jesus. He paid the price, the sacrificial price. Amen? Jesus has done it all. We've got to get back to the cross and realize that that great exchange represents to us all the price has been paid, appropriated by the truth of faith. The great exchange, what we call this cross, is the great exchange. Many powerful truths we live by by understanding what happened at the cross. This is the scripture that we've got to look at and it is in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, 53, 4. Okay, surely he took up our infirmities. This is what the sacrificial lamb was able to do because he had the, the blood of God, the blood of man. He was the perfect sacrifice. So all that sacrificial stuff that you saw in the Old Testament, he was going to do it once and for all. He was basically saying, forget all that animal worship, uh, animal sacrifice. I am going to use my one and only son. For whoever believes it shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. And he said, my son Jesus will pay this price that really we still can't understand the entirety of it and the implications of it. But somehow, can I say this? Somehow, by the sacrificial outpouring of the son's blood, the son of God's blood, that had cosmic, universal ramifications that ricocheted, that exploded across every part of reality, across this earth and beyond. Can I say that? All right? Once Jesus was able to shed his blood, he paid the price, reversed the contract of what Adam did, and he gave us back restoration with his father. So it says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his... Now, in there is two profound, two profound things and they represent... The true, two truths are interwoven in that scripture and I recommend you highlight that and take it home. The two profound truths in that scripture of Isaiah are this. They have spiritual ramifications and physical ramifications. The twofold exchange is just that. Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Okay, that's salvation. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. They're the two awesome components of the great exchange. Can I say that? That because of his shed blood, you can be forgiven. The punishment that was due you in your fallenness, in the first Adam that that sinned and abdicated and gave this planet away to Satan, that has been paid for. That sin condition that you have in you, had in you if you're saved, that has been paid for. The ransom has been paid. The second thing is, and this is what we relied on, the old fields and the whole church, we relied on the fact that Jesus Christ paid for, this, paid for, the, for the curse of sickness, all right, by his wounds, by his stripes, another version says, that we are healed. I know Christ Jesus paid a most amazing price for our healing. And because of that, we appropriate it, we believe in it, we speak it, we declare it, thus said, Jesus Christ is our healer. Say that. He's our healer because he paid this great price. Jesus was made sin by our, by our sinfulness, that we might be made righteous by his righteousness. We stand righteous before God because we're saved and we can stand in his righteousness. Jesus died our death that we might receive his life. We've got eternal life, real life, abundant life. 
He endured our poverty that we might share His abundance. Now, hang on. I told you what poverty was. Poverty was emotional, social, physical, material, all that poverty stuff where you can't live life. Optimized is a great word, Dave. Optimized in God, laughing with hilarity like our Julie Andrews model there. How would you like to live in those days again, eh, guys? Wouldn't it be great in a way? Just the innocence. I believe God wants to return some of our innocence just like that. Praise God. Endured, yeah. Bore our shame that we might share His glory. Do you know how many people are ashamed to even come to church? Ashamed to present themselves to God? They know, they know, like that song says, when they look at themselves in, in the face, they know there's something shameful in their life. Is that right? Am I saying that to be true? How could I go to church? God doesn't love me. Who am I? I'm a scallywag through and through. That shame can be eradicated by the blood of Jesus. Jesus endured our rejection that we might have his acceptance by the Father. You know how many people live alone? How people live disenfranchised from God, from the family? Imagine not having a family like this. Imagine not having a church to go to. Imagine not having an extended family or your own family. I saw old people languishing in hospital beds day in, day out, no visitors. They're spent. They're under the, under the sway of, a, of an oppressive predicament and now nobody wants to know about them. Ugh, that's been undignified. God wants to dignify people. Amen. I think we should raise up a hospital ministry. They should go out through the hospitals and we should find out from the staff who has not been visited this week. Oh, Mrs. So-and-so, she's really... Look, she's doing all right, but she could do with just a few tender words. My God, send the church in there. Amen. Hi, Mrs. Smith. Hear that, you know, you're getting better. And, but, you know, look, we're, we're just here just to say God loves you. Oh, that sweet little darling. Yeah. That, that could just make her live. I, I believe a lot of people bow because they've got nothing to live for. No one cares. I'm in here. Look, just, just let me bow. Okay, endured our rejection. You made, you made a curse. You were made a curse that we might enter into his blessing. Blessings, the abundant blessings of life. Let's all stand, God bless you. Jesus Christ has an invitation to all of us. He says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. The Bible actually says in Isaiah 53, it says that his sheep have gone astray. Do you know anyone who's gone astray? This cross, this price that Jesus paid is an invitation to all of humanity. Can I hear an amen on that? It's an invitation to all of humanity to be dignified in their living, to be connected to God, to know God, to be healed by God, to be prospering in God in the life abundant. John 10.10 says the devil comes to lie, cheat and destroy. Amen. But Jesus comes to give life, life abundantly. Can I say this? can Can I just say this lastly? Everything, every, all of humanity's needs, every problem, every grief, every sickness, every tragedy, All of man's needs are at the cross of Calvary. It's been paid for there. Now we've got to measure it out. 
We've got to go back to the cross, back to the very beginning. It's a good place to start. And if you know that beginning, you can sing amazing songs. If you know the Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sola of the cross, you can sing salvation to people, healing to people, deliverance to people. Come on, come on. It's no wonder that some of you, I've just got, when I try to sing over people, when I try to speak Christ to them, when I try and share the love of God, I can't sing. Some people will never sing. Some people, you, ever, you try and get them on a karaoke machine. Even me, to get me on a karaoke, there's no way. But some people, yeah, give it to me. I built this city on rock and roll. <laughs> some people love to sing the praises of God. Love to sing salvation over other people. Some people say, I'm not singing. Go back to the beginning. Get your do, re, mi, fa, sol la in the cross. You will sing thousands of songs. Jesus, your people are like sheep going astray. I'm finished, I'm done. But Father, in this house, there's people that have needs, they have problems. You said, Lord God, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I said, the scripture says, Jesus said himself, come to me.